Hi, I'm Caitlin Prest, and I am here in your ear to tell you about a very incredible new show called Asking For It. Asking For It is a darkly comedic series that follows a queer femme singer whose history of violence finds her no matter how many times she runs away. It has an original soundtrack, and it'll make you laugh, cry, and feel a little bit less alone. Asking for it. Subscribe now. This is a CBC Podcast. It's strange. Um, it's, it's strange to be here because you can't see any danger. Everything looks you know, on the surface, lovely, and Rome is a beautiful city, and uh, nothing looks wrong, which makes it even more kind of unsettling. Hey, I'm AC Rowe. This is The Doc Project, and this is Laura. So my name is Laura Bain. I am originally from Toronto, Canada, and I'm currently living in Rome, Italy. Laura only just moved to Rome at the end of January, it was pretty different from where she'd been living before in South Sudan and before that, Turkey. But almost as soon as she got to Italy, she started hearing about COVID-19. We started to hear about cases breaking out in northern Italy in early February, but at that point it still wasn't seen as anything to be too, too worried about. And I honestly didn't think that it would get to this state. But as we know now, it did. And Italy started shutting down. First, it was a closure of non-essential businesses, so still grocery stores, pharmacies, medical centers, things like that are still open, um, but everything else is closed. Then people started congregating in parks, so the Italian government introduced restrictions there too. You cannot go to any parks that are enclosed, so anything that has a wall or a gate we're still allowed to kind of go out and jog um, for now. Maybe that might change. Laura has lived in Italy for about two months, and she's been in lockdown for about two weeks. So when the announcement came from the Italian government that the whole country was going into lockdown, I honestly just thought, why is this happening? And why is this happening to me again? And that's the thing. This isn't Laura's first lockdown. I had just come out of this life of restricted movement, and then I'm just back in it again. So it's a bit strange. I feel like I had a bit of a kind of a traumatic uh a traumatic feeling, in a way. We'll start from the beginning. Laura's moved to Turkey about five years ago. Laura will take it from here. I think growing up, I was always interested in travel. I was always interested in people. I was always interested in human rights and kind of justice. Um, and that kind of naturally led me to a path of, of journalism. 
I was recruited into this pool of people to go and help launch a new international English station for the Turkish public broadcaster. So that is actually what brought me over to Turkey. But it didn't take long into me moving there that these terror attacks started to take place. So of course that was very unsettling and the more that they happened the more worried I became. And I remember the one of the larger attacks that happened at Sultanahmet which is where Hagia Sophia is and the Blue Mosque and a major tourist destination um that killed German tourists. My parents were actually due to visit me a week from that date. And so, you know, you get very you get very stressed. Um and it's it's a process of it's okay if I put myself at risk, but I couldn't ever forgive myself if something happened to people that I love that were there because of me. Of course, when the attempted coup in 2016 came about, that was a lockdown situation. Um and I was also actually caught up in that i was working at um an international broadcaster and my office was taken over by the coup supporters and i happened to be there <laughs> so that was also um an incident where of course we were we were kind of uh kept uh, against our will for a shorter period of time but then when we went back to our respective homes that was definitely a lockdown but me and my colleagues and my friends kind of started to limit our own movements and you start to become very paranoid um moving in the streets being around large crowds so i am about to go for a jog this is the first time i've been outside actually in 2 days don't see any people around yet um and it just feels quite uh liberating to be out on the street and um i'm going to very much enjoy this moment in the first few days of the lockdown i had what i describe as some really selfish some selfish thoughts um of saying why is this happening to me this was supposed to be my easy life um to be to be honest i felt very very frustrated um that this was happening um because it's what i really needed and i think that in the lead up to the situation getting worse in italy i had downplayed it not because i didn't believe it was that serious because i didn't want to believe that it was and i didn't want to believe that i'd be in this position again I was was based in Turkey and there was an international media development organization and they were in Turkey to recruit for the team leader position in South Sudan. So it wasn't even anything that had ever crossed my mind. South Sudan wasn't even a country that I ever really saw myself going to. Um but then when the offer came, I it just didn't leave my head and it felt like something that I had to do. The first lockdown that happened in South Sudan was actually just 1 month into my time there and um there was a situation where a former minister that had been dismissed by the government was on um he was on a house arrest so 
there was reports that that soldiers loyal to him were starting to kind of organize themselves outside of his residence where he was being held under this house arrest. So it was everybody taking it very seriously. I remember I was out, um, it was a Friday night. This was probably no later than 6 p.m. Um, and we were out at a, a hotel and just having, you know, a post-work beer. And then all of a sudden, everybody started kind of panicking and um, and rushing. And everybody left within minutes, just cleared the place out. And then was just told this was basically the situation. Everybody needs to go back to where they're staying. So I made it back to Logali House where I was living and just kind of kept reading all the various reports just seeing how long this would go and if there if it got worse if certain if it got more tense then we would have to think about an evacuation plan it ended up being nothing but it's a very jarring experience so i've just started my jog and i've just gone through my neighborhood just called monty it was pretty much empty. Um, I maybe saw five people. Mostly they're walking their dogs. I also saw a few police cars parked near a fountain um, that is usually frequented by many, many people who just kind of sit and hang out there and chat and have a smoke and have a drink. But of course it's empty right now. And there are not even that many cars in the street either. I'm just jogging towards the Colosseum, actually. So the Colosseum is directly in front of me right now. In South Sudan, there were a few lockdowns. So they never lasted for more than one or two days. But overall, you kind of feel like you're always in a semi-lockdown life. Um, you go to work during the day. Of course, you're being driven by your driver because every international NGO has a driver that you are required to move with. And then by the time 7 p.m. rolls around, um, anybody working for the United Nations and most embassies have a curfew between 7 p.m. and the latest I ever heard of was 8.30 p.m. So you're kind of in a perpetual state of lockdown life to some degree or another. The limitations that got to me the most were just the ability to be able to just go out mindlessly for a walk. Um, not to say that I never walked, but for very short distances, you also, if you were going to do something in the evening, you had to plan with the curfew in mind. So imagine you're wanting to have a dinner party, you started at 5 p.m. and then most people will have to leave by 7. The other alternative option is you have to plan sleepovers. So if you're if you don't know people very well, you get to know them quite quickly. So you're always having to check on security reports. You're always having to check where your team members are. Are they safe? Are they abiding by the rules? 
it's really that you're just never able to shut off and you're never able to kind of just walk around without the worry that something bad could happen. So this is my to-do list um, to occupy my time and my mind while I am living under lockdown. So it even has a caption, which is things I will do. So the first point is yoga at least two times a day, online meditation class, which I have started actually, read books, take free human rights law course, which actually has been on my to-do list for a very long time, stay connected. There are obviously all of those um, really dark places you can you can take your 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 mind when you're dealing with something like this, and there's so much uncertainty, and it's it's very different than dealing with a situation where the the risk is is conflict because at least in conflict you it's pretty straightforward in how you can protect yourself, but with something like this you really don't know what to do. And it seems like the guidance in the situation changes on a day-to-day basis. And I think the frustration for me as well is that I just don't know what to plan. And I think the answer is that you just can't right now. You just have to take things one day at a time and kind of make a to-do list of of, of things that you're going to focus on and and occupy your 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 time and your mind watch documentaries cook and bake to-do lists are something that i kind of survive off of and if i write it down it makes it seem more official i'm more accountable to myself so i think also just writing is a therapeutic process so it kind of helps you to visualize um what you're going to do it kind of gives you this nice outline of things that you can focus your mind on right sit with your thoughts and use this time to reflect and process jogging at least three times per week if i am able to do so so i'm just passing the coliseum right now It's completely empty, not a single person inside. I don't see anyone, which is a very strange sight, a strange thing to see the Colosseum completely empty. It's usually absolutely busting with people. I've seen one other jogger, um, a couple of people walking, and it's just funny. Every time you pass by, somebody is a bit of a, you exchange kind of a bit of a smile every now and again, but mostly people are very nervous and um, definitely nervous to be around each other. So I run by somebody and they kind of take an extra step in the other direction, um, which is understandable. But 
although I feel connected to being outside of the moment, I still feel disconnected from everybody around me. I think I'm still discovering the ways that living with those restrictions actually affected my kind of mental state. You really just go into this very automatic robotic mode um, just to to survive and you can't focus on what you don't have because if you did you just be miserable all the time it was a hugely rewarding experience in my work life but in my personal life I kind of felt um, like I was giving a lot of it up and there became a point where I could no longer justify that feeling I remember starting to feel like I wasn't feeling anything and that actually terrified me and when you're in it when you're in a a restricted environment um, a lot of the times your outlets are not particularly healthy things Um, so I I also just felt like I had lost track of myself really and um It was kind of a feeling of numbness that was really scary. And I decided that that's not a really great way to live. The moment that I decided to leave was also sparked by um, the opportunity to, to do something different and to do something else. So I was offered the opportunity to work as a consultant um, in Rome for a couple of months and for me it seemed like one of those timing things and one of those signs um, that I was being told that I think this chapter is closed and a new one is supposed to open so it was something that was extremely hard because the I loved my job in South Sudan but it was taking a lot out of me and I think it's 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 time to move on. I was extremely excited. I was also very excited that I was going to be in Europe where I could easily go visit a bunch of friends that are scattered throughout the continent. Um, I just also felt like I was in a space that I could I could just move freely. I was accessible to people again and I could access people also. Um, because of course nobody was coming to visit me in South Sudan, <laughs> so I I just felt like, wow, this is my my moment to shed a lot of the heaviness that um, that I had developed uh, working and 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 living in South Sudan, and I was just so so appreciative of everything, the small little things. Like my my colleagues were laughing at me because I was just so happy about all of these simple things that maybe we take for granted on a, on a daily basis, like, you know, being out for dinner at 8 p.m. or just sitting on the side of the road or walking. Like, I, I don't think I've taken a single taxi unless it's been with a, with a friend. Um, I've just walked everywhere, even if it's meant that that was a two-hour walk. I've just been walking, walking, walking without even the normal reasons that somebody would go to Rome, which there are many for me, it was just an opportunity to be in a free 
space again where you didn't kind of have that that heaviness over your head all the time of of kind of watching your back or planning every minute of your day or being responsible for other people's safety all this kind of stuff it just felt very liberating to be here So I've just finished my run. I was outside for a total of 35 minutes and 55 seconds. But um, I can't tell you how grateful I am for every one of those minutes. Just to be able to have the chance to be outside, breathe some fresh air, and just, you know, be within or be part of the city, even just for a temporary moment. Um, the sun is about to go down and actually I noticed that there are a lot more police cars out there so I think they are really trying to crack down um, in an effort to obviously reduce the cases of COVID here so completely understandable I just can't get over um, how quiet it is and the streets are really really empty really strange for a city like Rome where actually the evening is when things are so so alive so it's quite uh, unsettling but um, there are a lot of signs actually and flags that people have made to drape outside their windows and messages of support saying things like we're together you're not alone and this will be over soon. I think this lockdown is different for a number of reasons. One, because it's affecting so many people. So there are some really nice things that are happening as well, like these kind of, you know, flash mobs of music that people are doing in the evenings. The first one circulated on social media where um, people at 6 p.m. sang the Italian national anthem. And then on Saturday evening, there was another 6 p.m. Um, flash mob of people singing a national song. And then it kind of has just continued um, on that trend. So 6 p.m. is kind of the regular time, but it's between like 6 p.m. or 8, 8 p.m. sometimes. Sunday evening, one of my neighbors just started playing this really beautiful opera song at full blast for maybe five minutes. Saturday afternoon at 12 p.m. there was an applause that was meant to ring across the country so 
The idea was that everybody was clapping for all the medical workers and especially the doctors and nurses and, and, and everybody who's been on the front lines of, of fighting this, this virus. So that was a really lovely moment because you kind of just stopped what you were doing. I was listening to music, I turned it off. And then you kind of just heard this slowly building wave of applause and it became louder and louder. And then people started kind of popping out of their windows. So you can see people emerging from their lockdown just to kind of be part of this chorus that connects you to everybody else around you. So my experiences in South Sudan did actually help me um, to deal with a situation like this. And in fact, it makes me appreciate things here a lot more. Well, definitely on a lockdown, um, I think the overarching feeling is, is one of loneliness and feeling disconnected from the world around you, which was something I was trying to escape. So I think these small little acts um, that you're able to participate in, these, these flash mobs, and even if you can't sing the songs, just to be able to sit out there and, and listen to it and appreciate it, it just reminds you that you're not actually alone and you're not alone in this and that there are people all around you even if you can't see them or feel them or interact with them. It's just a, a quick reminder that, you know, humanity is still around you and that one day you will be reconnected again. Laura Bain. That doc was produced by me, AC Rowe, with Laura. You can see photos of the empty coliseum that Laura took on her jog on our website. That's at cbc.ca slash docproject. That's all for us this week. The Doc Project is produced by Allison Cook, Kent Hoffman, and me. Althea Manassin and Tahiat Mahboub are our digital producers. Our senior producer is Julia Poggle. I'm AC Rowe, in isolation in my own apartment. Thanks for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.